0: This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit UBCP.com. That's UBCP.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Do it our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Live Your Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I am Sabrina Firmager, and today I'm delighted to welcome Laura Minnell, like Chanel, to the YVR <laughs> Screen Scene Podcast. <laughs> That's what
1: you told me the first time we spoke. You said like Chanel. Well, I'm like, here for that. You got it. I mean, a lot of people will say mental. And there's like a nasality to the sound. And I don't Laura, like it. Or a You don't look like a it's mental. Like Manel. It's yeah. Manel. 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 It's
0: Manel, like
1: Chanel.
0: Like Chanel. Okay. I'm going to make my thesis statement now. I don't know if okay. you're going to like it or not. Let's see. Uh, I'm nervous. <laughs> Laura Manel is a mystery to me. Despite the fact that I've enjoyed her work in countless productions, the mystery is what can she do? She shines bright in all manner of roles. Hey, when I say all manner, I am not exaggerating. On the contrary, I've got receipts. Laura shone bright on alphas as Nina Theroux, a woman who is able to override willpower in others and push people into doing whatever she asked of them. She shone bright on the man in the high castle as Thelma Harris, a Nazi American journalist who has a secret relationship with Nicole Dormer and is subsequently arrested. She shone bright, although she terrified the Jesus out of me, on Van Helsing as a high-ranking vampire named Rebecca who saw very little use in human life. And she sparkled, sparkled, I tell you, on mm. Project Blue, Blue Book as Mimi Hynek, a complex woman, wife, and mother who is very much her own person, despite the deeply entrenched patriarchal system that would have her defined solely by her relationship to her husband and child. You know, it takes place during the atomic age. I intellectually know that Nina and Thelma and Rebecca and Mimi are all brought to life by the same actress, but I forget Somehow Laura always makes me forget. So in short, Laura herself is a mystery. And today we are going to uncover that mystery while also talking <laughs> sci-fi and government conspiracies and playing around of favorite things. Laura Minel, like <laughs> Chanel. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast.
1: I think my cheeks are burning so bright right now. You're making me blush, but that was great. And you have done your research, lady. You got it. You know. You know a lot of that stuff. Um, I admit that
0: I know a lot of this stuff because yeah. I I watch a lot of this stuff. This is not me sitting and doing like, okay, I. I'm going to be research. I'm going to be interviewing Laura Minnell, so I'm going to research her. I'm like, oh, I can talk to Laura Minnell! finally. I watched this and I watched this, so I'm literally the target audience, and um, I'm such a fan. I'm
1: so happy that you're here
0: today. Oh, I
1: am so happy to be talking to you as well. So 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 pleased. Thank you. Here in the in the Zoom in the Zoom room, um,
0: Laura, we are we are uh, in still in the year 2020 right now um which uh is famously a dumpster fire of a year for a lot of reasons oh, um, yeah. and so at the beginning of all of my interviews that i've been doing during the pandemic, trying to make pandemic happen pandem um, um i'm just i asking everybody from my heart how are you how are you doing how are you making it through
1: <sighs> i thank you for asking um I I think right now I'm doing all right. It's been a bizarre year. It sort of feels like it doesn't feel real. Like it feels like we are living on a really bad TV movie that makes no sense and was poorly written and like none of it is fathomable. It's just, it's so far reached and it doesn't, it just is bizarre. Um, and we're all just but, doing it for the paycheck, but we want off. We're calling our agents. Get us off this movie. Sadly, <laughs> the paycheck really sucks. Um, no, but it, it just it doesn't make sense, and it has been bizarre and off kilter. Um, and I think at the beginning of the pandemic, especially, it was really overwhelming. I, I I know I'm not the only one, and I think it's still overwhelming for a lot of people. and, and I know for me, I. I um, I feel like I've been a very grounded person in most of my adult life. In my earlier 20s, I had more anxiety and a couple little panic attacks. And this was the first time in like a decade and a half that a little bit at the beginning of the pandemic, because it felt like it was something that wasn't controllable. Mm. So I had like a few moments where it just felt very anxiety ridden to me. But um luckily, you know, you breathe through it and then you start to think of what are the good things that are good for my soul? What can I do in this moment that I can control and and you figure it out, right? Yeah. Um but yeah, it has been a bizarre year. Yeah, it's
0: it's it is definitely um I mean I I I live with mental health issues, I have panic attacks, I have depression, yeah. I have PTSD, I, I have insomnia, and like everything has been like supercharged, you know, yeah. by by the COVID. Um, and, but what I also find interesting is that this is a, like, I, I think you are about the, the same age or at least we're part of the same generation. Yeah. Um, it's really the first time that we've all had to kind of deal with something like this, but... As I was rewatching Project Blue Book this weekend what I found really interesting was you know the era you know that and we will talk it like about Mimi later but you know the is that Louie and the, that's your
1: cat in the that's background isn't it if, if you can hear meows it's not me it's my cat I might put him outside the door and close the door and and tell him to go away for a little bit we we love, might... we
0: love pets here but you know the the <laughs> the era the 1950s where you know where Mimi was like living her life like I, I was like, wow! I'm I'm watching this, you know, loosely based on history drama, and yet there's something so familiar, you know, about mm. what she's living through and what they're all living through—the paranoia and the fear and the feeling that you, like, you step outside your house and you, like, something's going to
1: attack. Like, it's that's yeah, kind that's of like what I'm era time. Yeah, I know it's bizarre. And yeah, even when we were kind of going through it, the last two seasons, it was bizarre to me. It was a bizarre time. I mean, people are making like bomb shelters in their backyards that don't even make sense because you'd have more safety in your home. I don't know. It was a bizarre time. And you kind of go, how did people live through something like that? Yeah. And we're not living through the same thing right now, but there's still a lot of bizarre things going on that seem unfathomable. And yet here we are.
0: Here we are. Yeah. And I just ordered, I was on Etsy at like four in the morning because I wake oh, up and I'm it. like I'm like oh yes. that's when I do my my really bad online shopping <laughs> and I just bought a, um, an ornament that's it's a Christmas ornament of a like a, a dumpster fire with like a little happy face saying I'm fine everything's fine 2020 so you know we I will remember this time always um, okay we are and we are going to talk I just want to let our listeners know we are going to definitely talk about Mimi I'm going to try I want to talk about um, I want to talk about Rebecca because oh, yeah. Yeah, it scared the crap out of me, and also best costumes. Um, and we're going to talk about the work that you've been doing during the pandemic. Um, but uh, So that's all coming, but we're also going to do some time travel, because um, I love mm. the time travel, to understand the, the, the cryptic actor that is facing me right now, uh, to, go back in, to go back in time. So first of all, it's very telling, uh, I think, if you tell me what your time travel vehicle of choice is is
1: a time travel vehicle of choice yeah because we're going to
0: be going back to your earliest beginnings as a performer so how do you want to get there
1: how do i get there like could i just use like a telekinetic kind of thing where i just blink my eyes and we magically appear like an alphas thing? Sure, we can do that. We can absolutely do that.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, we've had everything from, um, I think Sarah Canning made a, a rusty old, like rowboat that we traveled in. And um, we've also taken the DeLorean. That uh, This is just a mind at br- acting exercise. The DeLorean exercise. would be very fun. Yeah. Actually, could I
1: steal someone's DeLorean? Half the
0: people who do this podcast choose the DeLorean. So it's So fine. you're telling me I'm not yeah. very unique. <laughs> No, I think it's also indicative of our, uh, the generation that you're from. And you'll see my cat in the background is now I'm grooming herself on the platform. So you're going to get a show (laughs) over my shoulder. Hey, I'm down. Okay. So we're, we're in the (laughs) Dolorean and we're going to go back to your earliest beginnings of a performer. So where are we going and how old are you? And like, what is, is there a seminal moment that we're, you're taking us to? Flux capacitors, flux
1: capaciting. Yes, yes, we're going there, we're going there, we're going there. I think, first of all, I was one of those little kids that, you know, when you would ask me what I wanted to do, early, early on, like, I, I got to the actor thing pretty quick. But before that, it was like, I think the polka dot door or one of those shows kept, like, showing different careers you could have. So I'd want to be, like, everything. Like, absolutely everything. Polka dot door! Everything. Was it Uh, that show? I think they were the ones that every, this was like Reading Rainbow or one of those like fun guys. It was so long ago. But I was one of those kids who kind of wanted to do all sorts of things. And then pretty early on, I knew, I just knew I wanted to be an actor, which made absolutely no sense to some people because I was a pretty like, quiet sweet little kid and I remember having a teacher look at me when she was like what are you gonna do for your life and I was like mm-hmm. I'm gonna be an actor and she's like no you're not like yes I am I'm gonna be an actor and I remember she was like Laura I'm sorry honey but there is absolutely no way you can be an actor and I have that like journal entry written down where I was like madame because I was in French immersion mm-hmm. I won't say her name but I was like she told me I couldn't do this and But I knew, I don't know where I had this innate knowing that that was what I was going to do, and and that was the end of it. Who was this woman? Uh, Madame Méchon, that's what I'm going
0: to call her. Madame Um, But, but like, the the audacity of a teacher, you know, like, first of all, how many, like, actors does she know, you know? And, and like, and second of all, like, to to just raid on somebody's dreams like that. That's
1: bizarre, it is a bizarre memory, um, but I just, I think it's really interesting that I had so much confidence in knowing that she was wrong, just flat oh. out, which at least is pretty good, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, like, that sort of, that early knowingness kind of percolated, and it just kind of kept going out, out there in the universe, and the universe sort of would just, open up in just little ways, even like in the 80s, right? The 80s when there was a the big film boom in Vancouver mm. and we had the Vancouver Youth Theater, right? That was a big deal with Carol Tarlington and she was you know, so fantastic for the industry and for young people. And it was such a great place to explore. I wanted to go into it professionally then when I was a little kid. But, you know, it's tough for your, your parents getting you into Vancouver because I lived... Mm. You know outside of the city and um, but even then I knew that I loved it and I remember doing like play building classes and I remember being like the only kid singled out of that class by Sid Kozak a casting director then to like auditioned for the Odyssey and just stuff like that that just always it's like the universe's way of saying you know what this is right this is right let's keep doing this and yeah. you know little by little it would just keep opening up. What it, I mean, we talked about
0: Madame Michon. Michon, if I'm yes, remembering I correctly, that means mean, right? Like she's just yes, uh, Madame Mean. But like, you know what did your what does your family think of your of your dreams? I'm very conscious of that as the parent of a ten year old, right? You know, like the stuff yeah. that, you know, my my daughter wants to be. Like I, I just I try to support all of her dreams and to say oh, only positive yeah. things because I you yeah. never you never know. You don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to be the rain cloud, you know. So, but then again, you know, you also have you have to be practical and like I'm the the daughter of an immigrant from India who's like very like you know you have to be practical about what you want you know so it's like you're dealing with a lot of a lot in in as parents right so what what were your what was your parents or your family what did they think of your of your dreams
1: well i think you know i i've been lucky enough to have very supportive parents i have lovely parents i i love them so much i wouldn't trade them in it's worked out very well having my parents but um Yeah. I mean, I think I have two very different parents in some ways in that, you know, my mom was always the one who was like, you can do anything you set your mind to. And, you know, yes, you can be an actor, you can do whatever you want. And then dad, even though he's been very supportive, he was always the one who'd be like, huh, you're a creative child. But mm, the acting thing, I don't know. Like, is that is there much? of a safety net in that. Maybe Mm -hmm. we should explore other creativity. Do you want to be like an architect and design like buildings? Like what can we do so you can make money and be an actor? So I think he was probably a little more scared of what that means being the parent of a kid who wants to go into like, you know, theater or film. And it's such a daunting career choice really. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I think now he's settled into it, and I think he's okay with it. And I would hope I'd so. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> it I sort of worked so. out. So yeah. it's good.
0: Thank so, God. So, you know, as far as being a consumer of media, so you and I, I mean, we grew up in the 80s, best decade. That's oh, yeah. actually one of my questions from Favorite Things that's at the end of the show is like, I, what is your favorite decade for me? It's totally the eighties, like hands down, you know, like just because of the cartoons we got to watch and the, and the junk food we got to eat, you know, and the performances and just like the, the, the lack of care about some things. Like I, I, like, somebody said that the taste of a 1980s childhood is, is the taste of water from a garden hose. And like, that's what I, what I think of, you know, like you're drinking, like summertime was freezies and like drinking water from yeah. a garden hose and riding your bikes until, you know, until past sunset. Like, um, you know, so what were some of the, the formative film or TV performances that you watched during that time? You know, that had an impact on, on the kind
1: of actor who you wanted to become. Hmm. It was a great time, the 80s. I mean, it was a fun time. I think the best teen movies were in the 80s. The best romantic comedies were in the 80s. Um, But man, like, what did I love in the 80s? I loved E.T. Like, I don't know. Is that a silly thing to say? It was just such a beautiful little film. and. A film about, you know, connection and all that stuff. I, I don't know, but then I loved silly things like Punky Brewster and, you know, Care Bears and all sorts of weird little 80s things. I watched a lot of TV then. I don't watch as much now as I did then, but... I watched I a watch
0: lot watch then and I watch a lot now. I've never <laughs> stopped watching TV, but it's part of my job now. Um, yeah, it was so, I mean, Saturday mornings, like I was explaining to my daughter, I'm like, yeah, it's good that you have Netflix, but you have no idea the special joy of getting up at seven o'clock on Saturday morning and getting your bowl of like <laughs> just sugar cereal and then watching like four straight hours of just like oh, yeah. awesome, awesome cartoons. You know, the Smurfs, even Punky Brewster had a cartoon called It's yeah, Punky Brewster. I mean, she and did.
1: she did. Yeah. 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 It, it was, it was so a long good time. It ago. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't that long it was, ago. It was long ago. It wasn't that long. We're No, not it, was a, it, was like a, <laughs> it was a lifetime ago. It was so, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, those are formative times. I remember even just loving like Sesame Street and like languages. And I think that's what mom, I think that's what was the catalyst for mom putting me in French immersion was just like that kind of stuff. I don't know. It was a weird time so much potential Mm -hmm. in little kids then and you wonder where it's all going to go and how it's going to disperse and, but yeah, anyways.
0: (laughs) So what were some of the the steps that you took then to make your dreams a reality? You know, once you had articulated, I want to be an actor, like what, like when you first began, what kind of career did
1: you want? Hmm. It's interesting. I think for me, I always wanted to be an actor because I loved, like it was an initial wonderful way to connect with people. It was a great way to explore different things in yourself that you never knew you had, and in some ways, it would be like a great big dare, right? Mm. And it just made you feel so good. Um, And so I just became really focused, and um, yeah, I, I would train. And I think for young people especially, it's always good to, you want to explore, you want to train, find different teachers, and eventually, I think it's really important to Really keep your eyes open and look for good mentors. I think if anything that should be a huge goal for a lot of people I don't know if that was my initial goal (laughs) Um, But I found that through um, a wonderful local actor that I love and I've known her for decades called Iris Quinn I love 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 her Um, and I met her early on I must have been like 19 or 20 you know, driving into Vancouver with my beat up little car and I'd go to acting classes. I think I met her at the William Davis Center like so long ago. Um, But, you know, we've gone through different parts in our life where I'd kind of, I had taken a break from her and come back, but she's always been there for me. And I think for young actors, it's really important to find those people. And you'll find a bunch of them throughout your career. But, you know, you'll, you'll find, you know, a few if, if, if you're lucky, maybe one special one that's just always really been a good rock for you, and she's been that for me. So, uh, like, what what should
0: the the mentor-mentee relationship look like? Like, what kind of, of issues or um, questions do you bring? It's sort
1: of, I feel like it takes a while to find the right one. It's kind of like a therapist, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it you can't, it doesn't happen like that. It takes a while to find someone who really understands you and you connect with and they see potential in you that you might not even see, Mm. Um, but they can help you find a way, not like direct you to do something, but help you find a way to find that higher self or that that greater performer within you. Um, And that's kind of magic. It's not something that you can just pinpoint right it's sort of almost something that isn't tangible mm-hmm. as i'm moving my hands a lot luckily so much thinks- it's a,
0: but that's how people talk about love and friendship <laughs> too right it's yeah. it's a lot of hand waving you know but i guess like the thing
1: is you just have to be open to it y- you have to be open yeah and i i know it sounds kind of airy fairy but i think when you let go of a lot in life and you just are sort of open to things in a very, I don't know, Zen Buddhist kind of way where you're not looking for outcome and you're not freaking out about what ifs and you just kind of surrender a little bit, you open your heart, you mm-hmm. go into the world and the universe and you put out energy and things that, that you are looking to explore, inevitably something comes back. Yeah. Something. Okay. I.
0: We're going to get back in the DeLorean and drive on to your very first time on set. What do you... Whoa. The cat just knocked something off the table. Oy. That's it's one of those life. kind of days. <laughs> it's one of those kind of days with these cats, <laughs> these cats today. So yeah, so what, tell me about your first time on set and what you remember about it. And, and you know, what, what mistakes did you make and lessons did
1: you learn? Oh, my God. Lots of mistakes are made when you're young. Lots of mistakes just happen, and I think they are a good thing. I think we need to make all those beautiful mistakes to learn. I think we need to to not be quite as worried about those mistakes because um, that is what makes you a better actor and a better person. Um, but, yeah, okay, first job ever. <laughs> It was for a movie of the week. I, it changed names a few times. I think it was called I've Been Waiting for You. Maybe Sarah Chalk was in it. And Soleil Moonfry was in it. Punky Brewster. So I was very excited. Secretly, oh, wow. We didn't have a scene together. But I played like when I was a teenager because I was still a teenager at the time I never got teenager roles because I think I was like tall and I wasn't like a cool kid I just got like the weird teenager roles like this was a witch a witch and they burnt me at the stake so they came into the house and they like stole me from my bed and I was like I think I was Sarah Chalk's I think it was like her in a previous life or something. I can't remember. want to watch Maybe this. It sounds so
0: bizarre. But also it was like, very... can I say, and I'm like, I, I don't want to, like this seems like a Laura Minnell kind of role. Not that I know what a Laura Minel kind of role mean? is, because that's my thesis statement is that I have no idea. And yet it's, yeah. you know, it seems like very like challenging. And, you know, um, a little
1: terrifying and uh, arduous. I, I did know. a lot of screaming. I screamed <laughs> a lot. That's all I did in that, in that show specifically, I, I screamed. I think my dad felt like most of my first roles were just like screaming roles. I don't know what that means. Um, some of them, if you look back to that episode, it might look like I screamed on cue just a little bit. But um, it was fun. It was, it was actually pretty exciting. I remember, I think we were in Fort Langley. um, And I remember being on the balcony of one of those old homes that they always shoot at and just having my, my like little sort of break time food there. And just like looking out to like what was going on around me and just kind of being in heaven, Mm. which was weird, but it was exciting. It was perfect.
0: It was like that perfect moment. It was what you thought it was going to be. So, but then, so you get what you, what you wanted, but, Mm -hmm. but then that's not it, right? Because you have to keep going. And, you know, so how has your idea of, like, how how has what you wanted and your idea of success changed over the course of, of your career?
1: Hmm. Let's see. How has it changed? It's funny, I think for like a young person who knew that they wanted to be an actor early on, it was never about trying to chase like fame because that's never been a huge interest uh, to me. Mm. Um, But it was, I don't know, your idea of work and your work ethic changes and your excitement in certain kind of roles change. Like, I don't know. Like maybe when you're you're younger you are there's an appeal to the glamour of it a little bit more, and as you get older as I, or I, as I get older it's not really about that it, it's about finding like more truth and honesty in your work and it's really bizarre I mean you start to play with different types of energy and you start to Embody different types of characters who sometimes can be very different from you But at the same time those characters can teach you a lot about yourself. So it it sort of Turns into this weird journey of self-discovery Even though you're doing something so different that you'd never imagine yourself playing. I don't know It's the weirdest job in the world But also the best Like and that's why I love backwards. talking to
0: actors so, 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 so much. Okay, so we're, we, we will very shortly be talking about Mimi because she's very fresh in my mind and I fucking love her so much. Um, but, you know, you, you did talk about, you know, that um, a lot of the roles like you would never imagine yourself doing and uh, a lot of those roles have been in kind of the sci-fi or paranormal or fantasy realm. And, and what, what, is, what is called by the academics genre Um, like, so what, what are some of, like, does genre work require, like, a different actor's toolkit or, like, different inner work than what is required in, like, non-genre work or, like, what kind of mindset do you need to
1: bring to your work in sci-fi? That's a good question. Um, I I think when it comes to sci-fi... And Vancouver does get a lot of those sci-fi kind of genre stuff. Like, we get so much of that. Um, And when you are exploring those kind of roles, it adds an extra challenge. Because you might be reacting to the weirdest thing, like some crazy creature in front of you in a whirlwind of... I don't know, fire, um, but really you're just seeing a green screen. Like you don't have the same reactive things to work with. Um, So it requires using your imagination a heck of a lot more, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because sometimes you never know exactly what you're going to be acting to, and then you'll see it later on when you watch the show on camera and you're like, "Oh, that's what I was reacting to," and then you're like, hmm, "We could have brought it up a few notches, or we could have <laughs> brought it down a little bit," <laughs> right? Like, you never really know. Um, but that's some of the fun. So
0: I mean, so much fun, and and I think like I, I mean, as as an audience member, I love sci-fi for. The fun. And I love how high stakes it is. Um, oh, yeah. but it's all it's high stakes in a in a world that's not my own, which I also I appreciate. I've been watching so much sci-fi since the pandemic ha- pandemic. Told you I'm trying to make it happen. It's not happening. <laughs> um, but I think it's be, it's because like this I, I just I need a break from this world specifically. Oh, yeah. And I will yeah. I will happily check into a, a psychological, you know, suspense, like, you know, like haunting a blind manor, you know, or warrior nun or, um, or revisiting, yeah. you know, project blue book, like, you know, cause they're, they're our world, but a little bit, a little bit off. However, this seems like a perfect time to start talking about Mimi Hynek, um, which, uh, is loosely based in reality, uh, Mimi and Dr. Alan Hynek were real, real people uh, who um, and Project Blue Book was a real uh, wing of the government that investigated or wing of the Air Force, I should say, that investigated
1: uh, UFOs and alien encounters and real um, life top secret cases that were being kept secret from the public. In the 50s and the 60s which is really kind of exciting and crazy and fun to explore and there's some cases you read and you just go what the hell is this um um, but really an exciting time to explore and you kind of get why it would be top secret in terms of wanting to distill any like possible mass hysteria that you know people could have had at that time i kind of get that i get I get it, being top secret, but it is a little bit weird too. Yeah. Oh, kitty! Hi, bud. Yeah, she's beauty. she's jumped, uh,
0: and now she is. they're stalking me. Even though it's like an hour until they're supposed to be fed. Um, honestly, there must be something in the air. The cats are acting bonkers today. Uh, what I what I found really interesting though about um, the fact, like you know, because I grew—I I mean, I watched the X Files. I've watched so mm-hmm. many different shows that have dived into you know the paranormal. Um, but you know, be- like Alan and Mimi were real people, you know, and yeah. so I'm—I'm I'm curious, like, how did the fact that Mimi was a real person impact your performance or your preparation for the role at all? Especially because the show says right in its mate, you know, in the title card. Is, is fiction. It's based on, it's inspired
1: mm-hmm. by, but it's still fiction, or is it, or is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it always heightens things when you're playing a real life person. Um, but it, this one was a different one for me because there were definitely aspects to our show that were fictionalized. And that really did come through with a lot of Mimi's Mm storyline. I mean, she had some confusing feelings for a Russian spy best friend. Um, Susie! (laughs) My my lovely Susie, played by Ksenia Solo, who I so love. Um, We had so much fun. But yeah, those light, sassy moments between the two of us maybe didn't happen in real life. Just going to put that out there. Um, but, uh, it was an interesting project to start because as an actor, there's different things that inspire you. Right. And, and to start out kind of got to do a little digging and a little detective work, which is always fun. Cause you never know where it's going to take you. Um, and for this one, we had, um, access to the Heineck brothers, Joel and Paul, who were both consulting producers on our show. Because Joel has
0: worked in the film industry for a very long time as well. So there is yes. the fact that Joel's in the industry the fact that Joel's in the show,
1: you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like little, his little Joel, little Joel. Although I love that they had a bunch of kids, but really we just had one on the show. Um, but uh, I was in contact with Paul a lot, one of the the sons and, you know, he was really gracious with his time with me, but it was the most, confusing thing to start off with because him and also his brother, they would talk about Mimi as being this this woman, this modern day woman who was accomplishing all these things and he didn't start off there at all with the character. So at first I was getting a little bit like, okay, so is it all gonna be fictional? Like, how is this gonna feel? But then Paul connected me to his sister. I think there's like a 16 year age gap between the two. And she knew a very different Mimi early on, like a Mimi who wasn't as comfortable in her skin, who wasn't necessarily as social as the younger boys remembered her because she felt like Mimi adapted with time and she became more social later on in life. So that gave me a great place to sort of start. Hmm. Um, that arc, because Mimi really goes from this quintessential 1950s housewife to this woman who has, you know, a bit of a void and is missing something in life and doesn't really know her true inner potential. And eventually, little by little, with the challenges of Blue Book coming to her family and sort of the danger it imposes on her and, and, you know, the rest of her family, she becomes this stronger woman and this force to be reckoned with. And finally, I was like, okay, so we're going from like this this one role to her being like not as quite as confident to being like ballsy, where the brothers remember her and like okay, so we 're getting there, um, so that was great, but it was quite the journey, uh, but I love those I, that that really parallels the journey that a lot
0: of women were taking, you know, like I look at, I look at my grandmother, you know, from that time. I mean, my mom was born in 52, right? So my grandmother was a mother of seven kids, you know, during that time. Wow. She went from, you know, being, um, you know, uh, an abused uh, housewife to, uh, to um, like, by the end of the fifties, she had, you know, like really gone out of her way to, to um, take back control of her family. She became a, the cats are running around, they're nuts. Um, t- she had become a feminist. She became a journalist, wow. you know, and I oh, mean, wow, literally yeah. like the bra burning feminist. That was my grandmother who, in the early, you know, in the 50s, was, you know, wearing the girdle and the bullet bra and, you know, being the picture on the surface of picture perfect, you know, housewife to seven children, you know, but, you know, yeah. behind closed doors, just having a very volatile. You know existence, and then for my grandparents, it was also the fact that they were you know Ukrainian at a time you know when there was a lot of um, a lot of uh, xenophobia and racism towards Slavic people you know as well like it was a really challenging time, so you know it 's almost like in in Mimi we see kind of this like the, the awakening you know and um, a little bit yeah. accelerated too if you know like somebody who's like has that kind of discomfort in their life at, you know during that particular time and I love that it's a show where we get to like it's a it's a show yeah we get to see that journey but it's also about government conspiracies and oh, you know yeah. alien encounters and and all of that stuff right like oh my god I love TV so much. like I love art I love art so much for that <laughs> very re- very <laughs> reason so okay so what were some of your 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 most memorable, you know, Mimi storylines
1: or episodes, you know, because Mimi went through a lot. Mimi did go through a lot. And I was so lucky to have like, you know, most of my stuff, most of my work was with Aiden Gillen, you know, (laughs) Littlefinger, lovely guy, despite being Littlefinger. Um, and also with Ksenia Solo, um, who are really the best scene partners a girl could ask for. And both very lovely people, really generous actors. um, Loved working with both of them. And I think for me, Mimi's relationship with Susie just overall, was a really interesting thing to play with because it was so complex and I loved that I feel like if you have a person and they're really missing something in their life and there's this void and they don't fully understand it and they don't understand their inner potential and somebody comes along and really sees them right really really sees them helps lift them up helps get them out of this little box that they're in I think it, it makes sense that confusing feelings can arise. Like, yes, she was with her husband. Yes, she loved him. But this woman came along and, and showed her who she could be and, and really listened to her at a time where she wasn't necessarily being taken seriously. Um, so I loved playing with all that stuff. And even though, you know, she, she did love her husband, things were a bit confusing and it made sense to me. And she tried to resolve it all and shut it down, like you would in real life when things get a little out of control, and you know you need to step back, but just like that 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 sort of gut punch that she got of all the betrayal that came through with Susie when she found out she was this Russian spy, and she put her family in danger, and all of that stuff getting to play that mama bear and just feeling that those feelings of rage and and uh, it was just so interesting to play with I loved it and I love that I had Ksenia for the whole journey and um that was my favorite stuff to play with
0: yeah that was the most interesting stuff it's such a it's such a satisfying watch I mean frankly like obviously I wanted more I want more like you know I I but like it's it's so sad. Like I encourage everybody. Like I'm, I'm, I've rented it on YouTube right now. That's how I'm watching it. But you know, it is That's available. It. You can watch it. Um, can we also just take a moment to talk about uh, the the beautiful mid century modern decor and costumes and oh, hairstyles and makeup? Because yes. it's literally, I have bought uh, uh, mid century modern. This is so embarrassing. I bought um, a toast carrier after I saw it on, like, a little toast separator thing. I bought a a mid-century modern, like, gravy boat. Um, It's responsible for this fruit bowl. Like, I bought so many, so many things. Like, just because it's, like, it's, I mean, I think part of it, too, is just the pandemic. It makes me, like, you're, I'm literally sitting at, you can't see, like, a diner-style table, like what my grandmother used to have. Um, But, like, it's, there's something about, you know, having, like, the stuff that was made so long ago and it holds up so well and it's so sturdy. I can imagine though, like going into, you know, like that, I mean, you, you learn your, your lines and and you have an idea and then you go in there and you get all dressed up and you put on the, Girdle and whatever, or bullet bra. I was like, Jill, Jill Morrison was talking about the joy of wearing the bullet bra, you know, and just uh, how how it Those impacted the performance. Cone
1: bras were insane, and also I was playing mom, right? So cone bra and mom don't go together. Like you don't want to distract and have a little scene with little Joel and all Joel can see are your cone bras. It was a bit of a We had to really work, to kind of. Yeah, not be too distracting with those, but yeah, they they are a thing. But to be to be in that,
0: like, what impacted being in you know in the the outfit, in the hair. I mean, walking into that department store set and it like that was in the first episode, like like you know, what impact does that have on a performance? Like, does it have an impact to be surrounded by
1: all of that? A hundred percent on that show, especially it was just magic because. Everything was just to the T perfect for the 1950s, like perfect, perfect, perfect. Just walking into our home alone, um, it didn't feel like a set to me. It felt like a home. There was warmth and the way the light would play and come through the window. It just felt so real so yeah like that department scene and everything that they set up for this show real artists between behind the scenes who set up everything it just it made it effortless and it made my job so easy to just suspend the disbelief right you could just be there you could just show up as long as you know your lines you're good to go right um yeah it was a real gift
0: it, that show yeah. t- should come with, uh, I mean, it does have the disclaimer about it being, like, highly fictionalized. It also should come with, like, a disclaimer about, like, you're going to go on Etsy or eBay and buy a whole bunch of mid-century modern <laughs> stuff after you watch Warning. the show. You Atomic spend age a lot of money. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I found some good deals. Like, I've been on really s- I'm smart with my auctions. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Okay, so we're going to talk about Rebecca in a second. Um, uh, but I do want to ask you about... Um, government conspiracies, alien encounters, you know, uh, I loved seeing um, the dudes in Project Blue Book especially go through, you know, their, like, everybody, like, go through their, their uh, cycles of disbelief or, or rage mm-hmm. or frustration or it's this, no, it's that, oh my God, what to believe, you know, um, did, did the show <laughs> change your mind about these
1: things at all? Like, where do you stand on all of this? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's one of the biggest sort of questions of all time. Is there yeah, intelligent life out there other than ourselves? And it's something you think about, but before the show, I didn't really think about it in detail, mm-hmm. right? Um, and yeah, it, it's very bizarre, the types of things that happened, especially, I mean, it being all these secret cases that were top secret, secret and kept from the public, there has to be something to that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I just felt like, yeah, there's something out there. Like, I'm positive there's something out there, but will we ever fully know what that is? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if we'll get to fully decode this mystery in our lifetime. But and if we happens. find
0: out, if we actually have the truth in front of us, will we believe it? That's the other thing, too. Yeah. You know, because yeah. we need certain things from the things that we believe
1: in. Um, okay. Uh, and maybe we feel more comfortable just not knowing the truth. Like, maybe. I don't know. Do you? I mean, they do say that ignorance
0: is bliss. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't. I. I don't know if I want to know. I.
1: I think I like not knowing. I. I Just think I might. Might as well. Yeah. I might as well. Like, I think something's out there, but what it is, I don't fully know, and maybe that's okay.
0: I think. It, I think it's totally okay and we can explore our fears and our dreams about all of this stuff you know through art that's the joy of it um speaking of fear i want to talk a little bit about rebecca uh Who fucking terrify me of all your of all your roles, but I can imagine would be so. We're talking about Rebecca, a vampire, a very powerful vampire on Van Helsing. Van Helsing um, coming to an end right now, uh, fifth season going out, you know, on their own terms. Um, but uh, had a it's, a, yeah, had
1: it's a great run, years, yeah. It's a five
0: years. It's so it's a it's a, a post apocalyptic vampire series, but this is not about sparkly vampires at all. These vampires are like like if, if it, like it actually begins with the vampires they've like won, they have won this war, and um, human beings are on the run. And um, and when you meet Rebecca, uh, yeah, she's fucking terrifying, and she's beautiful. Like costumes, I'm, I'm obsessed with costumes, clearly, because I guess that's part of the transformation as well.
1: But can you? But talk we're about- a lot of leather there was a lot a th- of pleather
0: honestly i think um i think van helsing accounted for uh, the vancouver film and tv industries like 85% of its use of pleather for the last 5 years um, but you know so you tell me about some of the 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 joys of playing a character who who hates humans as much as rebecca does you know and just like when i think of rebecca i think of like
1: sneering and it was so, God, it was, how, was that fun? Fi- I, I was in the first season. It was a long time ago. Um, but it was fun because there was, I mean, fun, that's a bad word to use playing Rebecca. But, you know, there's something very animalistic and feral and and bizarre to get to play with for her. And, you know, people were kind of, she liked to. Toy with them a little bit. Um, yeah, I. She was weird. She kind of wanted to devour everyone in a way, right? Like dark. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. There was also some weird sexual energy in it all. Um, I didn't want my dad to see any of it. I think he accidentally saw that. One scene where I have this poor man that I devour on a bed. I think he accidentally saw that on camera. I was like, no, my poor dad is scarred for life. But that's okay. okay. I try to keep him from that stuff. But, um,
0: oh gosh, I just thought one day I might have to see my daughter do this kind of stuff.
1: (laughs) I'm so sorry.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay. Maybe I will rain on her dreams. Maybe I'll become Mama Mecha. I'm kidding. It's great though. It's so like because I can because you're doing stuff that you don't get to do in life, right? Like oh, I can't.
1: God. I'm assuming. No. I'm assuming. Well, you know, strange dark power like that. I don't. It's not my daily, every day. We'll say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Might be your cats. My cats are totally bonkers. I actually
1: would I would use my cat as inspiration a little bit because he used to go outside by himself because he you know I got him long story in rural Manitoba he was like a little kitty by himself um, and he just loved being outside so he needed to be outside but I caught him a few times in the act of catching little animals and as a vegetarian it's horrifying but that look in his eyes that hardwired look of catching prey, I kind of tried to use some of that. Like, I know that's the weirdest thing in the world, but you know what? as a little but bit Laura, of inspiration. Um, yeah.
0: You are not the only actor from Van Helsing who has talked about using their their pet as inspiration. Rakia Bernard talked about oh, that. She drew inspiration for for... Oh, we 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 worship Rukia her here at Wyvern Street. Yeah, Zine. she's great. She's, she's fantastic, amazing. Um, but she yeah. spoke about that she based some of her performance of Doc in the early episodes. You know, when she's in the cage and and everything like on her Shih Tzu because <laughs> her Shih Tzu had like a like a overbite or anyway. So I I think um, that everybody like Neil and Simon and yes. John all would be very surprised to hear how much like pets were. <laughs> But <laughs> it's channeled of, into into those yes. roles. So before we get to favorite things, um, I do want to talk about uh, another friend of the podcast uh, that you have mm. collaborated with recently, and that's Luna Ferguson. Because um, you've been you you made a film during the pandemic. Pandems happen. Yes, I love that you're making it cool. The pandemic. Pandem. pandem. It sounds. Um, like, cause you know, I'm, I'm Ukrainian and Indian. And so if I like, it sounds like a, like an Indian would say pandem. Like it's when I say with that accent, I'm like, honestly, I'm going to make it happen all around the world. So you, you made a film at Saluna's first time in front of the camera in, in a while Ooh. and called circle. So tell me about what drew you to the project and uh, what it was like to film during the COVID and what you admire about, about Luna.
1: Well, I mean, first of all, uh, Luna and Florian, like, yeah, <laughs> uh, Luna and Florian. Yes, they're both like a little power couple, um, and I've been very good friends with them for a while. Um, and yeah, I mean, what do I admire about Luna? Luna is just undeniably a unique, special, magical person. Um, I love them so much, and I'm so blessed to be friends with them and also with Florian, Florian Halbital, her partner. um, They are just a great force to be reckoned with and you know a very strong um, couple in the film industry that most people know about in Vancouver. Um, Yeah I love them so much, I love their films and during the pandemic just such a weird time where, especially at that moment, I think it was early spring where everyone was isolating. Right. Um, so we weren't seeing people and it was a new thing, but we were allowed to have little, little social bubbles. So, you know, Luna called me up and she's like, Hey, can we be in your (laughs) (laughs) bubble?" So I was like, Oh, of course. So, you know, we started our little group and we would get together and, we would hang out and there was beautiful weather at that moment in time. I don't know why, but it was one thing that kind of would get you through these horrible days, all this beautiful sunshine. So we spent a lot of time, even in my backyard, with a lot of wine and it was lovely and wonderful. You and tell great. Me, yeah, seriously, that sounds beautiful. And we would just start talking about, you know, obviously what was going on. And and this was also with my partner, Mike Sullivan, who uh, Mike is also... Um, a creative type. He's a beautiful painter. He's an artist. Also, uh, he's a composer in our show. Um, so he's a musician. So the four of us, we were together and we would talk and we wanted to create a project. Eventually we decided, why don't we use this time um, to create something? And we wanted it to be, we want to create something of this time, but not specifically about this, this time. So we didn't want it to be like a COVID film, but we started to explore some of the things that we were feeling. And I think we capture a bit of the essence of isolation in a way, something we were all starting to feel, um, something that I think the audience will be able to easily connect with, um, and also the need, essentially, for human connection. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of how it kind of came to be through nature. I mean, essentially, the film is about, um, in a world of increasing isolation, we have these two characters, Ren and Hex, and they rediscover a connection to their humanity through the guiding force of nature. Um, And we just put out the trailer and i think it looks really really lovely and i'm really excited for us to eventually share the full film because it'll be interesting to see how people feel about it and you know their reading of it i think there can be different interpretations that can come out of watching it but i think it's something that universally people will understand when they watch it they'll feel a connection to Ugh. And it looks beautiful. Like Mark Burlett was our DP. Um, and also uh, Bruce Borland um, was his right-hand man with camera. And together, they just created some really beautiful visuals. Fantastic. So it was pretty fun. Yeah. Tiny, tiny, tiny little micro crew. Um, but
0: it was great. Very special. And we will put a link to the trailer for Circle in the footnotes for this episode. Oh, yeah great. Okay. Um, I'm actually I'm going to hold off on asking you some favorite things questions because I have a few more questions about roles. Okay. Not dinner roles, like roles, like actor <laughs> roles, roles, roles. Okay. So what is a Laura Manel role? Like what qualities need to be present in a role to get you super
1: jazzed? I'm assuming you get super jazzed. I know, I do, I do, I do. Um, I definitely do. Uh, you know, I love when you hit a certain role, and this, there's something about the script that just feels effortless and really honest and really real. Those are the moments that I absolutely love, and when it kind of hits something inside you personally on a deeper level. And you're like, wow. Um, yeah, I'm all for trying to find honesty and truth and all that stuff. Um, it doesn't need to necessarily be like the biggest movie in the world, the biggest budget in the world. Um, I just like finding, I don't know, truth and connection.
0: Yeah. I like that too.
1: Um, Is
0: Mimi one of those roles? Oh my God, that's not, I shouldn't have phrased that question that way. Because then it's like, if Mimi wasn't one of those roles and all the blue book people would be like, what? But leigh our
1: showrunner is like, yeah. oh, Laura, I heard that you did not like her. <laughs> um, no, I, I, of course, of course. I, Mimi was a gift. I was so happy to be playing her. So yes, Mimi was a great gift.
0: What is a, a, a role or a type of role that you haven't played yet that you would love to play? And I say this as somebody who knows that you've played like um, Nazi journalists and uh, vampires (laughs) and um, and 1950s housewife, you know, becoming a feminist, like all of these things, like, you know, what's something you
1: haven't done yet? Or a genre you haven't worked in? It's so interesting because, I mean, as you know, the film industry is just kind of going bonkers right now, so like, Even audition wise, there's so many things I'm trying out for. And of course I can't tell you what they are because I would get in so much trouble, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it's, it's an exciting time because there's all these different types of roles and like, I swear to God, they are so different, Um, contrasting so much. Um, And I love it. Uh, I guess there's a couple different things that I would love to play with more Uh, there was one of them recently and I won't even say what it is but like I loved playing with this it was a darker energy but from like a historical drama that just kind of guts you a little and I wasn't working with like playing someone who was a good person necessarily so that kind of thing is really interesting to me and trying to Mm. figure out why someone is who they are like, and, and I don't mean by playing like a darker demon. I mean like playing like a real person and trying to figure out what went wrong. Yeah. I like that. I mean, like is a hard word to use, but I think that's really interesting. And then also playing with um, more comedic energy, I think is fun. There's a little bit of a quirkiness inside me that, although I think I have a weird sense of humor, but... Uh, I like exploring that too. So those would be fun. I would love to see you do more comedy for sure. I am,
0: I am here for that. Have we talked on, on the record yet about how you walk your cat? Like you literally put a leash on. I think we did. We talked, we definitely talked about it before we hit record, but I don't know.
1: Like, I think I would, it might've been before we hit record, yeah. but yeah, I am like literally <laughs> that weird cat lady. I'm sure I entertain my neighbors a lot but that's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Who's I in
0: charge, fun- like, when you're walking? Like, are, do
1: you, do you lead Louie, or is Louie, like, being like, we're going this way? No, Louie definitely has to be in charge. Like, I need to create a bit of guidance, otherwise we'd be going into people's yards, and I'd be climbing up trees, so there are some boundaries, but he gets to decide, but Now he starts to get a little bit weird where I think if he smells certain cats, he turns into a bit of a goblin. So he like puffs up and he like starts swatting and does lots of fake bites and hisses. And then I probably also look like a horrible owner who's like treating my, I don't know, but we go out there. It's an adventure. He gets outside. It makes him feel good. And then we're in and he's, you know, loving and back to being my nice, sweet little guy again.
0: Louie. I love it. I love that. That you have to do that in order to get the love. I, I know that once I feed these two cats that have been like they almost knocked over my ring light like they've been running around like since I feed them then they will be the loving cats that I know they are but they literally yes. like this are here for the food.
2: All right, yeah. are you
0: ready to play some favorite things, Laura Manel? <sighs> I think so. Okay, very complicated rules. I ask yeah. you what your favorite thing is of a various category, and then you tell me. But without thinking very hard about it, just go from your gut. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> did that what, sound good? No, the I mean, it's minutes? perfect. This is why I love favorite things, <laughs> because of what you just did with your face, the terror. Um, okay. Favorite Vancouver shot series that you haven't appeared in? The
1: X-Files. X-Files. You weren't in The X-Files? You were no, not. Was in Millennium.
0: I can't believe they never cast you for The X Files. You've been perfect.
1: I was a very young person and I was starting out, so I just got into Millennium. But I didn't get into X Files. I mean, that's still amazing. But well, I guess it came back.
0: But yeah. yeah. They yeah. missed an opportunity, is all I'm going to say.
1: All well, right. they screwed up, is what you're going to say. Yeah. Yeah, we will say that.
0: I'll just <laughs> say it. I'm not going to. yeah, They screwed up. Okay. Favorite karaoke song?
1: These boots are made for walk-in. Nancy Sinatra. Uh-huh. I like it. I don't it. do karaoke very often, but I have done that with my sister before. That was our song.
0: That's perfect. That is amazing choice to do with your sister as well. Um, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> favorite comfort food? Um... Lyrian and Luna's coconut ice cream. It's really good. Ooh, that's like I amazing. like the coconut. Yeah. Instead of the dairy, and it's yeah. rich. Could you make a, like an affogato with that? Like
0: pop that into some, like an Americano or pour some espresso over it? And would it be amazing? Because I think it might. I think I might try that. Yeah, I think you should. I think you should. Um, <laughs> On a day when you're drinking coffee. Okay. Favorite thing to eat at craft services. Like back when there was
1: craft services.
0: She looks so stressed out right now.
1: Because I want an exciting answer, but all that's coming to me is like a protein bar. It's not an exciting answer, but that's why I go there. You need like a hit of protein and you go and I'm sorry, that's a bad one. That's okay. I mean, my, I,
0: I have visited, I've done a lot of set visits and I, I loved the olden times um, craft services where I could just take like two donuts and like a bunch of candy and just eat that without judgment. Because apparently now you have to ask, like they, and then they have
1: to like you give do. it to you. You and can't it's like- touch it. You can't touch anything. I'm bad because I've still like last week I was on, oh, no, the week before I was on set and I literally went to go get a cup to get some tea. And then the lady went, no, don't touch that. I was like, it's tough because you've been doing it for decades. Yeah. It's hard to just stop. But I, yeah. I yeah.
0: would probably now, if somebody's looking at me, I would get the protein bar too. I'm, so, I'm sorry. That's yeah. a
1: downer, isn't it? I'm
0: yeah. Sorry. Two donuts and some Reese, Reese's Pieces. Okay. <laughs> what was your favorite book as a child? <sighs>
1: Uh, I don't know. Oh my God. Why am I so stupid <laughs> right now? Um, ass, this is exactly what I live for. I don't know why. I love it. <laughs> I love it because. Well, like but, I've never read anything in my whole entire life. No, this is know. what I love
0: about favorite things It's because. Like a, you know, like a
1: Charlotte, Charlotte's Web was a good one.
0: Oh about okay. that? That's a good oh, one. That's good. Did you, what, did you read Judy Bloom? And uh, I loved, the Cleric, Judy the, yeah.
1: loved, loved, loved. Yeah, it's Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. Yeah, those were good, good times. Yeah, I get those.
0: Yeah, or Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, you know, for a bit yeah. of the younger set.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. she was a good one. Have you read her new stuff? I haven't. I'm like so for a bit of an older crowd. I haven't uh, read it. I don't know. You know what I
0: find amazing though, you know, especially as, as a parent to a 10 year old girl, like. They have so, like, we had Judy Bl- Bloom and we had a few other authors, but they have so much more now, you know, especially oh, yeah. like, like, th- Judy Bloom is the is the giant upon which everybody like is standing on their shoulders or like it's there's so many more books and series now, you know, for for BIPOC kids. For you know, kids are going through a lot of different stuff, right? And there's so many mm-hmm. different books and kinds of characters, you know, for like my like you walk into the kids' bookstore and it's like where do I even where do I even begin? Um, I'm also a bit ashamed to say that I have not been reading. I mean, I, I literally studied English literature in university. I have yeah. not been reading as much as uh, I used to. I've been watching a lot. I be- I read a lot online and I've been watching yeah. a lot of screen entertainment and I listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff, but, you know, it's like I've... i <laughs> I feel like I need to, maybe that's what I need to do over the holidays is super unplug and be, and mm-hmm. go back to like, you know, I used to love going to used bookstores and like just smelling the pages, you know, especially from the stuff that was printed at the turn of the century, you know, there's yeah. just so the smell of that, but yeah, that's uh I feel guilty now. I'm sorry, books. Girl, that's okay. I'm sorry, books. <laughs> I will come back to you.
1: <laughs> just order a lovely book. You could get a used book, even online or in person.
0: Yeah, you're right for the holidays. For the holidays. I a just gift, did that a gift for
1: me. Yeah. Wait, oh, what would you order? That. Fame by Justine Bateman. I heard it was good. and a bizarre look on celebrity, as like, like, Justine you know. Bateman. Justine Bateman. Yeah, Justine like from Bateman from Family, from, yeah, really? from Family Ties. Yeah, from Family Ties. That's amazing. Kind of cool, and I thought it might be an interesting read. So we'll see. I'll let you know. Fantastic.
0: Um, Oh god, I loved Family Ties. I loved loved it so much. Yeah, Michael J. Fox just retired. Um, Okay, we're we're going to we're gonna have one more favorite things question, Um, and then uh, and then one more time travel question. This this question was just given to me by my daughter this morning. Okay.
1: Your daughter yeah, created yeah.
0: the question. Okay. Yeah, she did. Well, she created even the segment, and then we've gone and added stuff over time, because people would come prepared with answers, because they'd heard the previous podcast. <laughs> what is your favorite pie?
1: Oh. Like, it has to be from Aphrodite's, or like a home-cooked pie. Yes, Aphrodite's. Amazing. Like, two-die-for, real, beautiful, locally-made pie. Like, amazing crust. Like, whether you do gluten-free or non-gluten-free, like, it's all beautiful.
0: Yeah, their gluten-free cherry pie is... The crust is great. It's fantastic. Um, gluten-free crust has come... A long way, uh, uh-huh. but because but you know it's uh it's been a lot. I've eaten a lot of bad pie crust, you know, in my mm-hmm. journey to to this moment. And Aphrodite's has always been amazing.
1: Anything Very Aphrodite's, I'm down for. Like anything, it's yeah, good stuff. Good, good stuff. little local company.
0: Yeah. So actually, I probably will get some later today because it's that kind okay. of day. I'll go <laughs> sit outside, drink some tea. Imagine that I'm walking my cats, but not actually do it and eat my pie. Okay, so time travel. If you could go back in time to the beginning of your career, or even like before you had your career, the beginning of your life as an artist, what advice would you give yourself? What words of wisdom? Or would you not say anything at all?
1: Um oh. I think we touched on a little bit of it earlier advice to you know the younger self because you're when you're young especially you're you're so or at least I was you're in your head and you don't want to screw up and and that's half the battle but if you can just let that go and mm-hmm. embrace the mistakes I mean it's always hard to embrace the mistakes it still is hard to embrace mistakes but that is where. You learn so much. That's where you become a better actor and a better person. Just embrace the mistakes. Embrace learning. And and then the magic happens. I think that's great stuff. Um, Don't worry about screwing up. You're going to screw up anyways, so let it happen. Mm -hmm. That is wonderful,
0: wonderful advice. Laura Minnell, thank you so much for joining us today on the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Where can our listeners find you follow you, celebrate you on the social media. Not in real life, although no, maybe no. somewhere around the Lower Mainland, you'd not spot, you might spot Laura walking her back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it
0: it's a really big geographical area.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, you might spot me outside, although I definitely am pretty – No, I don't think you'll see me. I'm like, I have hats on and jackets and I'm that girl. No one would notice me. I like being that girl. But um, you can find me in non-real life on the internet. Usually Instagram. Instagram is the easy one. That's the one I sort of gravitate towards. The other ones maybe I should get rid of sooner than later. But yeah, just look for Laura Manel with the check mark, and you'll know it's me. Yeah,
0: and if you ever say your name out loud, remember, it's Manel, like <laughs> Chanel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's from Michael Malarkey. He gave me that. Oh, really? The star on Blue Book. Yeah, <laughs> Blue we were Book, doing yeah. interviews, and everyone would be like, Laura Menel, and he'd be like, uh-uh. And then he said, just tell them this, they'll never forget. It was a good little tip. It was a little gift from Michael. That's good. Michael I mean, from the Vampire Diaries. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, I could, him. I could see... You may be playing, like, you you evoke something about Coco Chanel as well, you know? Like, I could see you playing a Coco Chanel, you know, uh, in, in some kind of screen project. I, I, I would like to see that. So, if forever now, you are associated with Chanel, in my mind. I will take that.
1: Yeah. I will take that. Yeah. All
0: right. <laughs> Okay, thank you, Laura. Thank you to our listeners. Please like and subscribe. You can leave us a review. They help us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.yvarscreenscene.com. You can follow us on all the socials, except TikTok, at Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Scene. I say except TikTok because it just terrifies me. It just terrifies me too much. Um, Why Bear Screen Scene Podcast. Podcast. It is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, and to Tyson Braddock and Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Vanessa and Wade Wilson Furminger for interrupting this podcast so many times today running around like bonkers cats, because they are bonkers cats, and today not Furminger Devil like for the original music. Why Bear Screen Scene is a division of Fish fish entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut!
2: Hiring professional performers makes all the difference to the success of any recorded media project. Did you know that the Union of BC Performers, ACTRA, provides agreements for all budgets and types of productions, including commercials, TV series and movies, feature films from big budget to Canadian indies and student films, animation series, video games, web series, and even streaming video on demand like Netflix? For instance, our highly successful UBCP ACTRA ultra-low budget agreement encourages and facilitates artistic collaboration between professional performers and independent producers who wish to produce very low budget or even no budget productions. No matter what your budget, we've got you covered and you too can benefit from UBCP ACTRA's award-winning world-class performers. So, if you need actors, voiceover artists, stunt coordinators, stunt performers, singers, dancers, puppeteers, stand-ins, background performers, ranging across any age or demographic, then just contact us at UBCP Actra. Make your project the very best that it can be. This message was read by a UBCP Actra member. Go to UBCP.com for more information.